Um, and so then talk about cultivating courage. Having come from having a business, then you came back to New Zealand and then managed to not only do all these other amazing things, but open a restaurant, <laughs> one of Wellington's most fun restaurants. Aww. Well, what inspired that restaurant to be opened? Well, Lucas inspired the restaurant to be opened. So my partner, Lucas, yes, comes from California, moved out to New Zealand, as so many people did 12 or 13 years ago, right. to work on the Lord of the Rings yes. films. At, um, Blessed we are, by the way. Blessed we are. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of those amazing people came out here and realised that Wellington was amazing and decided they didn't want to leave again. <laughs> and they'd just stay on. Yes. Good. And Lucas is one of them. He's now a citizen. He's now a Wellingtonian. Well done, Lucas. That's really cool. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he missed a few things from California. And, of course, one was his family. We have to mention that. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> but the other thing he really missed was Mexican food. Great. And that's, uh, I think, such a big part of Californian culture. Mm. So the inspiration was Lucas. He wanted a proper uh, a restaurant that made Mexican food the way he grew up with it. And um, I actually honestly was terrified. Like, if you want to think about things that scare you, <laughs> I was terrified of opening a restaurant. Well, it's also like bringing a new member into the family. Yeah, yeah, and I knew it would change our life. Mm. And up until that moment, I had had enormous freedom to right. travel when I wanted to travel, um, to go anywhere, really. Mm. And I could pick up, at the, you know, if somebody offered me an amazing opportunity in anywhere in the world, you could go. I could go. Mm-hmm. I had no commitments that prevented me from doing that. And I knew once we opened the restaurant, that would change. And um, I used to think it was like having, it's like making the commitment to have a baby, except it doesn't fit in the front pack. No. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't grow up. <laughs> no, that's right. It stays like a, like a pre-adolescent yeah. for the rest of its life. Yes. Um, so I was terrified. And I think that's a great example because people often do think it was very brave of me to go to mm. Afghanistan. And actually, I think we're scared of different things. And for me being sort of locked in to something that couldn't be left I can was much that. more scary than going off to Afghanistan and facing well, you had the possibility. The, you had the choice yep. in a short period of time. Exactly. Yep. So that was really, it was very scary for me. And then, of course, it involved a, a, quite a big financial risk. As which, well. Yep. Which, you know, going to Afghanistan didn't for me. So I think it's good for people to just remember that um, they'll be doing things that other people think is really brave. And then there'll be things that they look at other people doing that they think, right. oh, I could never do that. And the truth is we're probably all scared of slightly different things. Which is what makes us as well. Yeah. 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 So, well, yes, we opened a restaurant. Congratulations. <laughs> so just on that, for you as a person, what are some of the good things you've found through having a business, a restaurant in Wellington? Has that given you any added uh, muscles, maybe? We could say it like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. A couple of things that have been really potent for me. One is just realising what an incredibly supportive business community Yahoo. we have in Wellington. Happy dance here. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if that's true in other places. Mm. I don't know. I can't say because I've never done this somewhere else. Right. I suspect it's not as true. What, what kind of experiences do you mean by having a supportive business community? I mean people who you could think of as being your competitors in a sense, other people who have businesses in the same sector, sometimes in the same street as you, Right. showing up to say, how can we help? Oh. What do you need to know? Um, ha- don't make this mistake because we've made it before. Right. <laughs> If you're having trouble figuring that out, let us help you figure out how to do it. Good. Um, you know, and it, there's 
some people who I'll happily name around that, particularly um, Johnny and Justin McKenzie, Yay. who um, have a number of businesses here in town, but also Johnny was um, involved in the Roxy, Roxy yes. opening two weeks before we opened. So kind of <laughs> occupied with his own stuff Wow! and just showed up for us in every way. And Valentina, who was in that business with him and who also was involved in other restaurants in, in our neighbourhood and who could have they, had they... Seen you as a a threat, possibly. Could easily if that was the path they chose. Mm. And so for me, and a number of lots of people here in town as well, but just right there in our own neighbourhood. And I was really inspired by that. Great. Really inspired by that. Congratulations on your commitment to the ethical and organic food. And, um, yeah, I found that. And the Conscious Consumers crew, that's really neat that you're part of that. But um, did I read on an email out the other day that you have organic tequila? We do indeed. We do indeed. I, I really need to come and sample this. <laughs> Lucas has a, an aspiration to a fully organic bar. Great. That, I've never yeah. heard of that before. Mm, yeah. He says we have now organic gin. We have organic wow. uh, a number of organic well, wines and beers are not so hard to find. But, yeah. yes, the organic tequila, Lucas, is very exciting. Okay. And that. the hangover is? Well, there's some extremely unrobust research. <laughs> That has been conducted by an individual person <laughs> comparing the hangovers on organic versus non-organic, um, which I'd like to encourage other people to try and replicate to Do see it, if it right. has any yeah, yeah. scientific validity. <laughs> Brilliant. It can only be better on, on many counts. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so Marianne, you've got this incredibly busy life where you're actually helping others to help themselves. You've got a restaurant, you've, you're a writer, and now you've just taken on a job of which you probably don't really need one but you've become involved with Action Station. Can you tell us what Action Station does and what pulled you into wanting to commit to this role? I certainly can. Action Station is a new um, way of uh, a new way for New Zealanders to get together to join up their their voices, their networks, their resources, in order to take action mm. to ensure that we that we maintain what we have in this country and do even better. Yeah. And in terms, it's particularly around social equality, around having a, a healthy environment um, and transparent government. And so those are kind of some of the things that. We at Action Station understand lots of New Zealanders care about, but if you care about it in isolation, sitting at home, reading the paper, feeling strongly, maybe sharing on your Facebook page with your friends, there's something um, that gets lost really in the Mm. isolation of your action. And so Action Station is about saying, you have that resource, your opinion, your voice, your network, your connections are actually valuable, Right. but they're going to be so much more impactful if we join them up Mm. with thousands and thousands of other people who care about the same issue. And what's a bit unique about Action Station is that it's a multi-issues platform and that it doesn't have its own agenda. It's sort of a members set agenda. And Mm. it's based on a really successful model that has been used in the US called Move On. Right. And in Australia, it's called Get Up. And in the UK, it's called 38 Degrees. But basically... As the membership grows, the members nominate what are the what? issues that they care about that they want to sort of band together and take action on. And there will always be the opportunity for uh, somebody like myself in the you know national director role to offer strategic 
leadership by saying, what about this? Right, to guide, have, guide it. Yeah, yeah, but if members aren't passionate about it, it won't go anywhere. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a totally non-partisan, mm. non-aligned to any party politics because it's really founded in this idea that politics should follow people. They're like what New Zealanders care about and want for themselves, for their country, for their future, should actually be we get to set the agenda, and then the politicians should have to follow us. Right, that's that makes kind of the idea. Good sense. Yeah. Okay. And and what pulled you? I mean, obviously that all sounds like you fit the bill. <laughs> but was there something personal for you that made you want to to take this role on? I think what what made it feel like it's something I wanted to do right now was a sense over the last year as I've watched um, a lot of my friends who do care about these mm-hmm. issues, I've, I've got a sense that people are feeling um, a little despairing about mm. their capacity to really make a difference. Right. And, and that's something that I hold so dear mm. is the fact that every single one of us can make a difference. And so the possibility that people are starting to lose faith in their capacity yes. to make a difference is something that I can't sit Back. You know, and watch, um, sit back and sort of watch that happen in my country. Um, so that was what made this really compelling for me right now. And what made it um, kind of fun for me yeah. is that I've spent a lot of my life lobbying directly decision makers. So directly trying to influence, um, you know, policy makers and politicians and, and you know, everybody from... Um, people who run big companies, just by trying to directly convince them. And there's a certain sort of limited range of ways that you can do that, whereas this is is the the creativity that's open to us as people is almost limitless. It's like anything that we can think of as a community of people who want to um, influence the direction of our country, we can be as creative as we want. And that's very appealing. Because it should be fun taking part in, you know. That's right. And and I think, yes, uh, just looking on the your um, Facebook page about a few of the projects that happened in the gallery, you know, yeah. it just it, you do have that sense of, oh, why wasn't I there at that? So, um, yeah. yay. So if people want to look up about Action Station, there's a Facebook page, website. There is. There's a Facebook page, which is uh, Action Station. Yes. And there's a website, which is actionstation.org.nz. Great. So um, we will be dragging Marianne, and she she might not have time, but I think closer to uh, our moment to vote, we will be having a few more chats, I think. Um, Good luck with that role, Marianne. It's really exciting to have you in leadership there. Um, And so just a couple of questions now that you've got a really interesting perspective, um, probably quite different to most New Zealanders. Um, just a couple of questions for your your points of view. Now that you've lived in countries that are that are worn, torn, and struggling, what do you see that we take for granted in New Zealand? Well, I I'm, and, and I want to just say that I include myself in this. You know, these are things yes. that I've been back for six years, and there are certain things I thought I would never take for granted after not having them. And you do start to take them for granted. Mm. So I, I've learned not to feel guilty about that. That's good. But to connect into a sense of gratitude so that when mm. I do remember how beautiful um, our lives here actually are. And are they beautiful here, Marianne? 
Well, they are for me. Yeah. <laughs> for me too. Yeah. And actually that's good, I think, to acknowledge that maybe not so for others as we yeah, all go absolutely. through different times. But yes, I am finding Wellington a, an extremely delightful place to live in. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that's been really on my mind this week for a number of reasons is um, just the, the high-functioning and safety um, around our democratic rights in, in New Zealand. Mm. And obviously I have some concerns about what's happening to our democratic rights, which is partly why I got engaged in Action Station. Right. I feel like there are some quite you know, quite serious and considerable challenges to mm. our rights as citizens to engage in the democratic process. But having said that, yesterday in Afghanistan was a presidential election. Yes. And when people went out and stood in those queues at 6.30 in the morning, and I've saw, you know, seen the photos of hundreds of women lined up at 6.30 well. in the morning, they went there despite the fact that the Taliban had said to them, if you show up and vote, we will kill you. You know, the direct threats against their mm. life. And when I see that, I realise, um, and, and how willing those Afghan citizens were to show up and, f- and, and stand up for their right to vote mm. despite those threats, um, I do realise that we, we perhaps have the potential at least to take for granted our democratic rights in New Zealand and our right to vote and our rights to express our opinions yes even if they are strongly in disagreement with the current government without our lives being at risk mm. um, and I think just remembering that um, is is quite timely for me as yeah. I step into the action station role just yeah. thinking yes there are some ways in which it's been made harder for us to engage and I, I have um, I'm of the view that you know, um, increasing economic stress on a lot of people is a challenge to their in- ability to engage democratically. Yes. Because if you're really struggling to um, get through your working week and to find the money to, you know, to pay the rent, and it's hard to then have time to step up above that and think about engaging in key, you know, issues of our democracy. That's right. But when you see these women who you know are um, probably lucky to be and finding enough food to feed their family every day, um, lining up to vote. It was that was a real reminder for me of what I'm what I'm signing on for with Action Station and and uh, what it is that we have that's worth protecting. That's right. And um, so many people in the world are really trying to hold on to that right. Mm. What do you see are some of the big issues we could collaborate or there could be some unity on what those issues are and what we could do about them? There are quite a few. Uh, I think there's a, there are a few issues that still remain really critical for women mm. um, in New Zealand, and some of them might not touch those of us who um, are in relatively well-paid work right. as much. But I feel like there's a there's an importance, there's a need for solidarity with our with our you know fellow women in New Zealand who are nearer the bottom of the wage kind of bracket. And so there's a whole piece, I think, around sort of just fair pay for work for women. I mean, for everybody, but there's a specific piece for women and access to child, um, you know, childcare for women in New Zealand. Because if, if women can make a fair wage and know that they have the time 
sort of in a, in a secure job with right. the rights to take the time they need to look after their children, mm. we free them up mm. to engage in our communities in meaningful ways that mm. I just think is really Pop fundamental. Back in as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I actually just feel like there's just this need to re value connection and community thank you nice Mm. Mm. because I've been I've been really struck as somebody who doesn't have children Mm -hmm. um, how easy it is to become incredibly isolated yes in your day-to-day life I think children offer us certain opportunities to connect. To reconnect. Do you think that our our internet and our, our access to our different world has made this isolation come about a little bit? Um, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that's where it's come from. I actually think it's come from um, uh, an increased pace of life and right. increase in working hours. Um and demands. And demands on our yeah. time and increased fatigue. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think that that combination of the pace and the, the number of hours we're working and how tired we are when yes. we finally get time off. We don't have any anything left. Yeah, and there's also something which is, it might sound odd, but um, we don't need each other in the ways that when I grew up in a rural community... Mm. You couldn't get through the week without leaning on your neighbour right. to do certain really practical things. And I read an article last year about, um, it was something like, why do the rich care less? And it was about lower um, levels of empathy measured amongst the wealthiest. And it turned out it's not character or personality because that wouldn't make any sense. What it is is that they don't need other people as much because they can mm. afford to pay somebody if their car breaks down, they can afford to pay somebody to come and collect it. If they, if they get sick, they can afford to pay for private health care. Mm. So they don't need people. And when we don't need each other, right. um, what, what starts to dissolve is this really basic human function of if I need you, it's quite important that I know what's going on in your life. Yes. Like if, if at the base you're part of my sort of daily, weekly, monthly support circle – then we have to be in touch with each other Mm. and we have to know what's going on. So I just think there's something around um, we've started to outsource um, things that used to be done within the community. So in a way, it's also a cultural thing, I think, for New Zealand that it's okay to need because we're also very, she'll be right, I'm right, and actually becoming okay about asking Mm. but also okay about that reciprocated help. I think you've hit that one on the head really well, Marianne. I think that's great. Mm. Mm. Not the not the situation, but the maybe the shift in thinking. Um, also, just one last question: If you had the chance now, and some words from you that you've learned that are important to you, even on a daily, on a now basis, what would you like to share with us today? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the one thing that I have to be reminded of most often. <laughs> it's always about this. <laughs> Start <laughs> with is, us. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, have a, I have a lovely teacher, Natalie Goldberg, and she's a Buddhist teacher and she's also a writing teacher. And um, she says that we all have an inner critic. So there's a voice mm-hmm. that tells us we're doing it wrong, we're not good enough, <laughs> we're not smart enough, we're whatever. So she said you have to cultivate the inner sweetheart. Ah. And the inner sweetheart doesn't really need to say very much. The inner sweetheart just basically says, it's all right, you're doing fine. That's a lovely thing. You're doing great, just keep going. Maybe we <laughs> should diary that into the <laughs> alarm clock every hour. That's yeah. a lovely thought to share with us, Marianne. 
thank you for coming on our show today. Um, it's been a great pleasure talking to you, and I know that we've got some wonderful things to look forward to with your journey. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Marianne.